0: here
1: and this is thank, thank you, you for love oh.
0: podcast for the tired how are you
1: i'm so good i oh. just had a big fat cry <laughs> and so i apologize if my voice is nasally it's but quite okay yeah i, I love crying <laughs>
0: <laughs> well see on the other hand mm. i wish i could cry
1: oh yeah
0: something that i'm working I on i
1: actually haven't really seen you cry that much
0: nope I don't. And it's very frustrating. Mm. That's something that we're working on in, uh, in therapy is me getting into touch with my feelings more. Really? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, me and my therapist have been trying to talk about, I guess this is, this is going to be my week recap. Um, mm-hmm. The biggest thing that me and my therapist have been working towards is um, really being able to place physical feeling to the mental feeling that I'm going through. And I'm not sure when or where I had started this. But, you know, just began to suppress everything. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know what a lot of decent feelings are. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to start to unpack.
1: Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I went through it and I feel like I need to go through it again.
0: Oh. Well, what did you go through?
1: Well, I cried because I realized I'm almost 30 and I'm still so insecure. And I was like, why am I like this? (laughs) Oh, poor man. So that's why I was crying. Yeah. But... I think um, that came out because of this episode, in a way, because we were talking about this. So, full disclosure, I requested a re-record of an earlier thing that we had recorded, Mm -hmm. um, because I just, yeah, like, sometimes, you know, like, it just doesn't turn out the way you want it to and yeah you just got to redo it so
0: which is fair i mean like especially with this particular episode that we're doing because Mm -hmm. while we're we're, we're not really in the our show's not really a special episode kind of thing but i think we're we're trying to um we're realizing where we want to take this uh, we're gonna take the direction of the show. Yeah. Um. Last week was, of course, our Mother's Day episode, mm-hmm. and the episode before that, which is our this week's episode, yep. Um, is us diving into Pen Fifteen. Mm-hmm. And what we loved about the series so much was that it was able to, um, really place a beautiful story behind a lot of the different things that um, Lisa and I, being people of color, had really experienced throughout our elementary years and um. Allowing us middle, to kind of, yeah, middle school, el- elementary, yeah. middle school, and we're also going to be talking about high school, but the the series was, you know, comedic enough for us to be able to take a look at it at, at a uh, critical and also, like, light light, and mm-hmm. it got deep.
1: Mm-hmm. It
0: got deep when we recorded it.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, this show, Pen15, it's on Hulu. Yeah. Um, it came out pretty recently, mm-hmm. and I first saw it, I basically binged the whole thing in like a week. And I was like, "You need to watch this, Ollie. It's so good."
0: Yeah, which I, I jumped in about episode uh three. No, actually, I watched the whole series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did watch it over shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So um, the series. In case you guys you know haven't heard of it. Um, it was created by, uh, two girls, Maya er- Erskine, I still don't know how to pronounce her name, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and Anna Conkle. Okay. Um, but they're, you know, they're comedians in their 30s, but they play, um, their younger versions of themselves. Um, I think they portray 13-year-old versions of themselves, yes. I believe. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's in the early 2000s, so, you know, all these references definitely personally we relate to for sure oh absolutely yeah it was it was hysterical going mm-hmm. through them. and it's it's hilarious but it's also so sincere mm-hmm. and it just felt so genuine and it definitely like when uh it prompted you know discussions from both of us and yeah. it really took me to a vulnerable place which is one of the reasons why i wanted to re-record absolutely because i was i don't think i was ready to go there yeah. so But, you know, let's hope I am
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure we'll be able to get into some fantastic discussions. All right, so let's start to begin to talk about the series in itself. Um, What were some of the themes that the show had touched upon that that resonated more with you, that kind of uh, prompted Mm -hmm. some of these discussions? Without getting to the discussions, because we'll, you know.
1: I mean, definitely, immediately, um, you know, the race and ethnicity of one of the main characters. So, Maya, she is half Japanese and half white. Mm -hmm. Um, she deals with um, her Asian American identity throughout the series and for those that
0: haven't seen the series she's very Japanese American she's very Asian
1: presenting which you know like me, half kids they come out in many different ways but when you know when you do present that way your narrative is going to be extremely different so um, and I love that they didn't shy away from talking about that Um, I thought it was really great Um, And yeah, I mean, also her friend, right? She's white. But I think um, they did a really great job of portraying their friendship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's some bullying going on, and there's some sexual stuff going on as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Any other themes that... (laughs) jumping
0: out at you no well i mean like a lot of it was interesting i think another one of the themes that um might have been skirted over as well is, is and kind of started to realize what maya was going through a little right. bit like you know i think one of the episodes in which we watched was uh, the second episode in which um maya was caught drinking a, a beer that just happened to be an asian oh, brand yeah, yeah. and then maya <laughs> had realized like oh she wasn't drinking that. and then like the mom had scolded yeah um, yeah so like you know and then she and i really stops and realize like there's racism here mm-hmm. and like that was an important theme as well that was kind of funny in a way but it was also like wow like as far as relatable topics go like i still have friends coming up to me and i'm like you know 27 year, year, years old mm-hmm. i have friends coming up to me like ollie i saw racism and it was terrible yeah. and i'm like what happened it's like oh a cop pulled us over and like he you know like I was blind. I'm like, okay, yeah, chill, relax, relax. Mm-hmm. Like, like, let like, take a seat. You know, it's it's quite okay. I experience this shit every day, but like, you know, sometimes it's very fresh for them. And then mm-hmm. to ha- go through that at such a young age, and to like, you know, that's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. And that's a big theme. So I, I I found that to be interesting as well.
1: Yeah, she yeah. was all like, "Hello, I'd like to report racism." Yeah. <laughs>
0: And and then staged a a whole demonstration inside school. Yeah. Oh,
1: just to clarify though, those are two different episodes. But yeah. Oh, wait, was it was two different episodes. Yeah. So the one you're talking about is yeah. called Posh.
0: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Like, whatever. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but whatever, you know, I'm not. But why though? Why why do you think that that this series um was able to to carry itself in 2019, or why do you think now was the year to put out this this series? Mm. Because I I think it's important on. It's been a minute since any of us have been brought back to that headspace, mm-hmm. you know. And for those that don't have the luxury of being able to to seek professional help in order to like, you know, professionally put yourself back into that headspace or, you know, into to that into those memories to kind of like, you know, unpack more deep-seated mm-hmm. issues yeah. that that you go through today. Um the show kind of expedited that, in a way, for, mm-hmm. for others. Um, if it did the same way for us, mm-hmm. which we were like, oh, shit, this is really important. Especially when it comes from people from, from color. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the narrative kind of kind of, kind of laid the, the safe groundwork
1: mm-hmm. for us to
0: be able to have these type of conversations, maybe. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I just remember, like, watching it and thinking, like, oh, I've grown so much since I was 13, but then... Mm-hmm. And I realized, did I, though? Yeah.
0: <laughs> right? It's like, yeah. we were told to unlearn a lot of things. Has yeah. that really changed?
1: Right, yeah. It's it's <laughs> funny,
0: too. I think why now
1: mm-hmm.
0: is that I couldn't see this show existing back in 2012, 2008, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it would still be a lot harder to have an articulate conversation about um, the the type of Dan Cook humor that allowed for a lot of different, um, authorizations of different races and like, you know, women and like, you know, really set for, for juvenile life, you know, while we still had these comedians out and about.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas
0: now in 2019, we don't have as many sophomore um, up comedians yeah, or, thank or, God right. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's, and that's where I'm kind of thinking like yeah. maybe now it would be yeah. a,
1: now we have more space for other types of stories. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really cool. Um, what would you think would be your, your funniest takeaway from the series before we jump into, uh, our, our experiences throughout middle school and high school from this series? Cause you really loved it. Like this, like yeah. this is, this is kind of,
1: yeah, I mean, I guess because I didn't grow up here. So it's interesting when I see, when I get a glimpse of um, Japanese people who grew up in America mm-hmm. and seeing parallels between that, um, definitely the fact that her Japanese mom used her grandpa as, like, um, My God. as a tool for fear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. Um, you know, um, in Japanese culture, like, we don't really have, like, a religion, religion per se. Um, Shintoism Which is basically Communicating with your ancestors mm-hmm. um, But yeah Your ancestor is basically God So you better not be Doing anything wild Because your ancestors Are always watching Yeah. Um, But yeah That whole concept was, I thought it was brilliant To bring into a series like this Because yeah It just like Had so many funny yeah. Moments based Yeah, off that's, of that That's yeah. calling
0: back To the uh, masturbation episode
1: yeah. I believe mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah And it's so funny Because like that was also a tactic that was used within, like, the witnesses all the right, time. Right, yeah. Like, I remember um, driving me to school once and, or maybe it was over to, to church, but we were driving down, um, my mom and I, and me bringing up, like, we were we were talking about sex for whatever reason, or it might have been my, my mother and I, and I was saying, wow, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that I'm having these wet dreams, <laughs> like, against my will, and, like, am I done for that like is God throwing me out of his you know kingdom and mom's like no as long as you're not doing it yourself and I was like oh okay you went up
1: to your mom and you said that
0: oh yeah I, I think it was with my brother's sisters I do remember driving down Jimmy Leeds Road asking that question mm-hmm. because I was terrified you know like at that age like you know if what a, a thing that the body does naturally you know like is forbidden to to do why in the world would God con- construct a, a, a world that's just like, no, you can't t- do that. Mm-hmm. But then, like, also that the Jews, like, attacked. Her, like, okay, like, that's fine as long as you're not doing it. But, like, that <laughs> that was a wild answer because I was yeah. confused, you know? <laughs> I was like, I'm doing it. And she's like, yeah, if you're doing it. You're done. And I'm like, mm-hmm, oh, well, if I mm-hmm. don't think about it, I'm doing it. She's like, oh, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, God forgives. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. And that kind of laid, it was funny enough that God laid the groundwork for, for me to kind of, you know, begin questioning whether or not religion was okay or not. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. It'd be like that.
0: I do. So before we start to jump into um all of our nitty-gritty, we're
1: gonna take a break. Bye. <laughs> hey guys, this is Lise from Thank You For Your Love. Um, if you guys have any questions you'd like us to answer, please send them over to our email. It is thank you for your love pod at gmail.com.
0: Oh <laughs> listen to this little graduate
1: my first ad read yay yay
0: we like to answer questions about relationships religion whatever has on your mind and your fear for love what's that email again baby
1: thank you for your love pod at gmail.com alright that's (laughs) ad
0: welcome back to the show welcome we're talking about Pen Fifteen and how the show. Yeah. Oh, oh! <laughs> has joined us in the studio. <laughs> but a big thing about the show was that it, it opened um, a lot of um, conversations for us to have about how we were growing up and and how we had you know experienced our um, middle school, elementary school, elementary, and you know kind of social gatherings and social cliques and everything along the lines of that. So I, I kind of really wanted to crack into that. Mm -hmm. When you were entering your, your schooling years as a youth, um, what was it like being Asian? Like, like just, just what did Asian look like Mm -hmm. at that
1: time period? So, um, I went to a, I guess, unique school environment. So I'm gonna backtrack a little and kind of talk about where I come from and all that. Um, yeah. So I may have mentioned a in previous pods but i was born in japan but i uh my family and i traveled a lot when i was a youth um you know because of my dad's job we had to move around a lot um i lived uh for like five years in hong kong um but my formative years was um in thailand in bangkok thailand um so i went to elementary middle and high school in international school in thailand um, and it was an American system international school. Okay. So, um, it, it was essentially a private school. hmm Yeah. Yeah, it and, sounds good. hmm hmm And the reason why my parents sent me there, um, I think there's several reasons, but it, I think it was because there really wasn't a good Japanese school when I was there. Mm-hmm. When I lived there. Um, and also, um, they wanted me to learn English as well, so. Okay. Smart. Yeah. So, yeah, um... I mean, like, campus-wise, it was a really nice school. Nice. Um, It was pretty big. Um, We had, like, a good gym. We had um, a lot of really great art studios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it was obviously international, so very, very diverse. Um, A lot of kids, you know, with um, parents in the embassy, um, who work in the UN, maybe. Um, Basically, like, any expats that had to be, you know, like in thailand educated. for a few years yeah. <laughs> educated <laughs> um, didn't have to be in thailand yeah yeah so it was pretty it was pretty interesting um the breakdown i guess racially uh or i guess like nationality wise too it was uh like 50 percent american i want to say okay there were quite a lot of american kids there Sounds good. um and then you had a lot of thai kids obviously mm. Um, but you did have to be of, like, a certain wealth and certain status in order to attend because the cost was pretty expensive. absolutely. Um, so that was a thing for sure. There was definitely, like, a fair bit of classism involved, but obviously when I was going there, I don't think I really realized it. Okay, that's
0: fair, that's accurate.
1: Yeah, and obviously a lot of Asian kids, um, a lot of Southeast Asian kids, Um, a lot of people from, you know, Philippines, Singapore, et cetera, et cetera. It was definitely nice to not be the only Asian kid, I guess, which I'm Mm -hmm. sure happens here. Um, I I saw a lot of Japanese kids, a lot of Korean kids. Um, so it was great from that aspect. We had, um, an international day. Oh, I forgot what it was called. But it was some sort of, like, international day where you had, like, a fair with, um... All the countries represented. Oh cute. And um they did this like something similar to like an opening ceremony in the Olympics in a way where you had people in their traditional garb like walk around um the what is it called? The track. The track, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just like a walk around and um and all the moms made the the food from their countries. Oh, I love this. Yeah, it was pretty fun, actually. Yeah, yeah and, and educational, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, so it was really cool. Um, But with that being said, yeah. Um, obviously, like, internalized racism is a real thing. White supremacy is a real thing. Yeah. Um. Also, just America being, like, the global everything. Yeah. You know, leader in everything is also a thing, so... There was, like, an inherent sense of, like, um, white Americans being, like...
0: Superior. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, just superior, because like, that's, yeah, that's kind of sure. the light that it's
1: portrayed in. mm mm-hmm. um, I also noticed that uh, you mixed... Know what? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Let,
0: let me clarify that. Yeah. Not white is mm-hmm. superior. The American lifestyle mm-hmm. is superior. Mm-hmm. Because I think that would be more of the portrayal of, like, the nationalism that is held within American core, right? Mm-hmm. Like, an American at its core, yeah. it was, it's mostly, like, you know, just the white, mm-hmm. you know, premise that was set. Yes. So it's not, like, white ideology is mm-hmm. best, it's just, like, the American ideology is, is the best of being, you know, like, yay, but yeah it's also about what, that that's what i meant by that, not sure. like white people yeah,
1: yeah yeah um i think i personally and again i can't speak for anybody else in the school but i personally always romanticize that idea um okay. uh, yeah like just like american culture the way of life and all that um and that was kind of like reinforced low-key by the school system in a way yeah. or the way the school was built um so it, it was super weird i mean i'm gonna try to explain this but it's very strange. Um, So, the school was within this, like, gated community, first of all. Yeah. And um, that community had all these, like, beautiful houses. I had, like, one friend who straight up lived in a mansion. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, And they were all, like, within walking distance. Um, And, you know, kids had, like, golf carts just to, like, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Flex on them. Yeah. Flex on them and go to each other's houses. Um, It was surrounded... Um, surrounding this, like, really nice lake. Um, it was very picturesque in my mind now, in retrospect. But, yeah. you know, it's interesting. that I bet, like, if I actually go back now, it's probably, like, kind of raggedy. But, like... Damn. <laughs> but back then, though, like, I definitely thought, like, all the cool kids lived in that community. Absolutely. Like, it looked like what I would imagine, like, a white suburb to look like. Yeah. yeah, and I mean like it was probably modeled
0: off of that because like you Maybe, know it's, it's yeah. modeled off of like security mm-hmm. and like that sure. was the type of pseudo security that yep. was promised that with mm-hmm. suburbia. Yep. So, wouldn't surprise me the mm-hmm.
1: least. It had like a um, a supermarket there, but it had like white people food there. Okay. I think yeah, it was very like interesting. Cheerios or yeah, yeah. Oh. Honestly, like any sort of American imported food, like Cheerios or yeah. even like maybe not snapple. Snapple's a little basic, I guess. But <laughs> like um like fruit roll-ups or like just um nerds like you know like American oh, candy. Oh shit. Okay. Like That okay. was considered like a rare commodity. Got you, got you. It's, yeah, we discussed this, Yeah. I I'm sure it's not anymore, but back when I lived there it was hard to get. So yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, definitely this idea of like um just being Yeah, like, America is being, like, upheld as something really cool and something to aspire to. And then kind of, like, jumping off of that, being adjacent to whiteness, being, you know, something that's desirable. But again, like, not something that I really thought about until really recently. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, anyone living in Asia will, you know, be aware of this. But if you see mixed kids, like, as in half white, half Asian. Okay. There's definitely, like, a weird sense of, like, oh, like, are they superior in a way?
0: Wow, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, you, you kind of had the best of both, both worlds in, yeah. in, in the societal aspect.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, like, way back in the day, Yeah, there were, you know, like, Asian people that wanted that really, really crave that adjacency to whiteness. Oh, yeah. So they viewed that as something to be desired. Yeah. Um, but even now, like, you know, when we consider ourselves like modern or whatever, like mm-hmm. that, you see a lot of those people in the media. Yeah, yeah people with like white features.
0: Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. Well, in I mean, like, Asian it's, media it's, specifically, yeah. but yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely here as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's something that was really interesting and it played out um, throughout... You know, my school days, oh. um, I felt like a lot of the mixed kids were like maybe quote unquote more popular or whatever. But yeah, I definitely wasn't cool. Okay middle and high school um I yeah I mean I had really amazing friends like they were all really smart oh I I do remember that um but yeah I was like not cool I was so angry I don't know why (laughs) I was like I had the angst of like a white suburban kid I don't know what that was about (laughs) but it's (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, but your original question was um, be, one again. <laughs> being Asian
0: within, within um, your school system, you know, like kind of mm-hmm, from, from mm-hmm. a child's aspect.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I covered a little bit of that, but like, honestly, yeah. I think, um, oh yeah, in uh, in the show Pan 15, um, there's several times that it's clear that um, the, the half Asian character Maya um, becomes very aware of her Asianness, ness And, wow. um, you know, there's a scene where, like, she's trying to make her eyes bigger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, yeah, I mean, that definitely spoke to me. I mean, in a way, it's a little bit, like, tired of a conversation. Yeah. You know, because it's something that is always talked about. Yeah. Um, but then I was thinking, like, well, yeah, of course, because I have, personally, I have privilege um, when you think about white supremacy and you know all that um institutionalized racism because i am east asian so i do have gotcha. skin, so i have like privilege in that way but then at the same time like i can't change my face yeah. um and i'm like very distinctly asian um and yeah like my eyes are going to be one of the first things you notice um so that's definitely something um i came across an article recently um about double eyelid surgery mm-hmm. and um i mean you know what that is yeah yeah i think it's, but, it's but for
0: those yeah yeah
1: i mean it's pretty mainstream now but yeah if you don't know um
0: here you go oh. suckers
1: <laughs> so a lot of asian people they have hooded lids or single eyelids or whatever i don't remember the scientific term for it mm-hmm. um but you'll see that right now um du- quote, unquote, double eyelid surgery is super popular it's almost a point that it's really, really normal.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, like, I think Korean people, they get it as a present or something. Um, I've heard you saying this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've heard my Korean friends say that. And it's very common in Asia. Uh, not Asia, sorry. In Japan, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, like, because it's so normal now... I kind of just accept it as, like, yeah, whatever. And also, I mean, like, you know, I, I'm never going to, like, surgery shame. Like, I think it's fine if you want to change something. It's cool. I don't care too much. But at the same time, like, I, in the back of my head, I was always, like, why, though? Like, why do we need to? Like, are we trying to look white? Well, or... yeah.
0: It's, it's like, what's the reason here, fam? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's, like, we all didn't wake up one day and be, like, oh, that's cute.
1: Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's something that, like, I really hated to think about. Because it is shameful, but at the same time, it's like, is it worth confronting? Yeah. So then, like, I recently encountered this article on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was published through Korea Herald, apparently. I, okay. They seem pretty reputable. and yeah. <laughs> They sound it. So, hopefully they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I learned a lot about this particular surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that it became popular during the Korean War.
0: So, okay. uh, yeah,
1: in the 60s, huh. um Mhm. So, um an American military surgeon, um I don't know his full name, but his last name is Millard. Um so he became the pioneer of the surgery, okay. and he was wildly racist, of course. Um his experience was rooted in Cold War ideologies. Flying. So, you're going to get a lot of yeah bullshit from that. Um, <laughs> so there was a thing called the War Brides Act.
0: Oh. Yes. And this this already just starts off kind of shaky. In
1: 1945. Wow, did I fucking say the 60s? I don't know history. Well, I
0: mean, we're trying. We this is
1: why we you pull what? information. We are not experts. No, we're not. This we're we're just a bunch of dundons trying our very best. <laughs> <laughs> You're my favorite dum-dum. Yeah. <laughs> 1945, you. though. Um, yeah, so it basically led American soldiers that are stationed overseas to bring home their Korean brides. Yeah. Um yeah. So then this sort of cosmetic surgery to change their eyes, mm-hmm. it um in a way helped reduce American anxieties towards, like, Asians and, y- you know, like... Jesus. But,
0: yeah. the
1: What is it? The yellow peril or, like, whatever the fuck? Yellow feet. Fi- was it the yellow fever? Yeah. No. Well, it was called the yellow peril, but Oh. Um, yeah. Wh- <laughs> oh. what's that? <laughs> oh. Okay, so the military surgeon, he wrote the hooded lids, um, create a passive slash stoic expression that epitomized the unemotional matter of the Oriental. Oof. Mm. Oof. Yep. So in his theory, by you know, surgically altered the quote-unquote slanted eyes yeah. um kind of creates an illusion of like a good slash trustworthy worthy asian mm. which is so fucked up absolutely but that was a thing and i had no idea that it had such you know racist roots but again not that surprising of course yeah so yeah so there's definitely a lot of that like um you know, like skewed perception of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and others have. Yeah, yeah, when you think about something like that, mm-hmm. being an Asian person in a, not necessarily predominantly, but definitely a white space. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Because it still deals with the um, nationalism that mm-hmm. comes with it. And the nationalism is just rooted in a lot of white conquering. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, So that was my experience. Yeah. Which is
0: interesting. (laughs) I mean, like it's it's a lot to 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 deal with Mm -hmm. Um, being or at least knowing, you know, like what type of race, you know, pool you belong to. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my being black um, growing up, it was very um, murky. You know, I was I really wasn't in the knowledge of my race growing up, um, much until high school. My elementary and, um, yeah, just my elementary school, we were very diverse and it was a small suburban school that was predominantly white, but still had a healthy amount of Negroes and and others um, inside the school system. And we only had a class of about 100 people, um, total K through 8. So very a, a very family-oriented space that focused more on the child than the race of the child. And within my household, we grew up um, more religiously um, cultured than racially cultured. So we never really mentioned being black within my household outside of hearing stories of my mom growing up um, in the races, seventies, um, and my dad sharing some stories about him um, growing up in Long Island uh, during the sixties uh, and seventies, but nothing too crazy outside of those like quick snippets of of civil rights bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was growing up, it was just you know me playing with friends, you know not really being aware of race up until high school. Which is when a lot of uh, my friends quickly uh, uh, reminded me that because I didn't really like, you know, grow up in a black or at least what was presented on TV as being black. Because again, we're, we're realizing that the time period is uh, beginning of the 2000s, which is the end of being black on television, which was um, highly taken advantage of by TV net networks that wanted to show um, hot comedians different uh, television series, which, you know, was a little bit more showing of a specific black person and how to really be able to, um, figure out like, you know, what the black lens is through literally one voice that, that was, you know, just repeated like seven times. So when I ended up going to high school and I didn't sound like, you know, your, your, your Martin characters or your, um, your, the game characters that you see very often on BET I was labeled as um an Oreo very quickly which is one of the terms that uh, was was actually dropped in Pen15 during that episode and mm-hmm. which um Maya is exposed to, yeah. or or at least comes to realization of racism. You know, yeah. she's, she's.
1: I didn't even catch it. Yeah. yeah.
0: You it, caught it right away. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard it and I was like, yeah. whoa, because like she took that, mm. she took that same journey in the episode with yeah. like very quickly, like she had up vomiting afterwards, <laughs> and then, literally I felt the same way. Yeah. I was like, whoa, man, that took me back a second, mm-hmm. but it was very real, you know. Kids, um, the term Oreo, as I'm sure a lot of different people know, is. A black on the outside, white on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, you you don't fit the the stereotype of being loud and boisterous and and literally just sharing Yiddishbonics, which was always painted as just you know, like like you know a little bit of an unintelligible version of the modern English. So like you it's literally saying like you know like you don't sound ignorant, you know like you don't sound black, you know you don't dress black, you don't have the 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 baggy um fuck what was it um. Fat Farm clothing, you know, you don't have the Nikes, you don't... N- Nike wasn't even popular back then. It was literally, like, and one, um, Fat Farm, um, brands like that. But I didn't, you know, share and in the same kind of black styles. Um, my high school, though, was a performing arts high school, which wasn't in my sending district. So, I was actually shipped off um, to a school that... Not shipped off to, but, but we commuted to a school that was um, about maybe... Ten or so miles away, it brought in all the different kids from Atlantic County, which um, it was very segregated in a way. Like Pleasantville was more inner city, uh, or sorry, outskirts of the city, um, and Atlantic City was more inner city, which a lot of was a lot of uh, black pop population. My hometown, Galloway, Upseekin, um, was a was predominantly white. Summers Point, Brigantine, um, Margate, all of those are predominantly white, and then we all had like you know kind of self segregated inside the school. Um, but a lot of our different majors, you know, did have a lot of different, um, you know, races of, of the children of the student body. Again, also my graduating class is like 72 people. Um, but basically anyone, just because, like, you know, that's how Atlanta County was built, you know, you had certain black people act a certain way within one town and then if you didn't act that particular way you know you were painted as like oh you're not black you're not really black so that was that was a lot of me being black inside of my school you know, and then hearing that from both sides of the aisle you know like my white friends would tell me that and my black friends would tell me like oh you don't act too you act too black to be white and you know like flip flip side you're too white to, to, to be black so I, I had a lot of confusion growing up with that um, and it took me probably up until like three years ago for me to be able to kind of, like, you know, come into my own racial awareness and to really be able to put that towards my identity and to be able to, you know, wear proudly. It took a long time for that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, speaking of coming aware, I mean, like, did, when, when did you actually begin to figure out that that you were allowed to be Japanese and you, or, or, or like, did that, what did that look like? You know, Mm. like, like you were aware of who you were, but Mm -hmm. like, did it ever come into your identity as a Ute? I don't,
1: I can't tell you like when exactly it hit me, but I do know that my, it wasn't just me. Like, I know my friends struggled with this too, Mm -hmm. of, um, you know, having to constantly move around and, you know, having your heritage kind of not ripped away from you (laughs) but yeah just like (laughs) becoming more and more (laughs) distant. The relatability net be like hell what's heritage? Yeah what's a culture? Oh god I'm sorry I didn't I didn't mean to do (laughs) all of that. No, No, it's just reality. It's
0: just reality. Gang gang.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah just being so distant from where you come from because you felt like you had this responsibility to assimilate to a certain culture, you know, in my case, American culture. Yeah. Um, hence, I sound like this. But, like, I was so busy doing that that I kind of forgot to hold on to my japanese in a way. Um, and I remember, like, there were, you know, obviously, like, Japanese people at my school. And I was, like, chill with them. Yeah. But I never really, like, actively try to, like, hang out with them and stuff. Like, I was totally okay with, like, being closed off from that. Yeah. Uh, and that was definitely on purpose. Um, My parents did try to make effort <laughs> to, you know, like, help me maintain um my Japanese speaking skills and reading and writing skills like I had to go to like after school classes all the time but it truly didn't do anything (laughs) yeah yeah. and it's only in like really like recently that I'm making any like active effort to like relearn the Japanese um like reading and writing and
0: if if I may like yeah I, I remember you you know like sometimes in preparation to talk to your mom. Yeah. You know, like, you'll just kind of brush up. And I find it to be interesting.
1: Yeah. If you're... I mean, like, even now, right? Like, if you don't, like, practice a language...
0: It slips.
1: You yeah. forget it really easily. If you don't, like, actively speak. And I don't really even have a community here that I can speak with. Mm-hmm. You know, not, like, big enough that I can do it all the time. So, yeah, like, I guess it's something I'm still struggling with. Um, but yeah, I was, like, very much in the limbo yeah. growing up. I was, like, I felt this shame of, like, not, you know, like, kind of throwing away a part of my identity in order to fit into something else. But then also, like, if I don't, though, like, I'm gonna be ostracized, possibly, and, you know, like, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, some parallels, I guess? No,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Because, like, I, I think for myself, um... While that I mean, like it the, the, the parallels for, for me lie in that like I never really had an identity to really claim onto mm-hmm. for me to be able to to loot to, to retain it. Mm-hmm. So like I have always been in limbo. Um for myself though, like graduating more like towards the senior end of my high school into my more adult formative years, um, it took me a minute to kind of find that balance into what i wanted to perceive myself to be as a black person and then what is currently out there to for me to be able to take in to figure out what it is to be a black person because even those two things can be very dangerous you know mm-hmm. like for me to be able to find the communities that i am a part of now you know like it it's it's very healthy for me to be able to bounce off ideas from actual black people from like you know Um, marginalized black voices that typically aren't even heard within the black community. You know, like finding those intelligent, real down to earth people that, you know, you can call upon as friends, but also have the actual insight and have the same struggles as you, you know, like being black in your own skin and still, you know, having a genuine sense of this is my black and I am black Mm -hmm. compared to. If you want to use pop culture as your barometer, you mm-hmm. know, and to figure out how to be like, you know, this this model person or, or the model black person that yeah. everyone else is looking for you to be, um, that's been modeled by somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that can be dangerous to, to rely upon because then you just become another byproduct of what they had thought you to be. Yeah. And then you, you end up, you know, just becoming another shucking and driving Negro, you know, and, and, that's, and that's scary. But, but even, you know between high school and probably like ages 23, even when I was, you know, dating white people, um, it took me a minute, you know, to really figure out that, that man, it is really hard to, to be able to explore my own, you know, version of what is black and still being a part of very white communities and very um, white groups of friends that kind of view that black to be a charade. Mm-hmm. And like that's not all that fun. And then, you know, going home to a significant other and and trying mm-hmm. to, you know, unpack that yeah. and try to unpack it as a couple. You, you just it's, yeah. it is the hardest thing. I'm not saying that it's impossible to right. run, but I'm saying it's a lot of work to yeah. be able to get that done. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a lot of like me coming into who I am because it, it came later, but
1: Yeah. Was I'm I'm curious, was there any sort of role model at all in your life? Like a black role model?
0: Oh man, that's really tough because I I would love to to paint this as like my parents. hmm Um me learning my blackness from my father was very my dad was who my dad was. Mm-hmm. And while we didn't discuss race all that often, he wasn't ever um he never hit it. Mm-hmm. You know, like his His dad was Jamaican, his mom was Haitian, you know, like that's, that's who I am, you know, and we never really discussed it to great lengths, but you know, we were always aware of who we are as black people. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, flip side to my mom, um, -hmm. we really grew up in a black is kind of, you know, on a hush hush Mm. kind of thing as well, because, um, as you go further into my family where we get very lighter. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my grandfather who I'm, I do not, you know, have a relationship with on purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, really kind of raised my parents from my understanding or my mom, um, um, to, to kind of lead a life of your skin color is the reason as to why we're seeing ostracism try to blend in as hard as you can and never forget that it will be your downfall and, While my mom was able to kind of move past that and to embrace who she is to some extent, there's always been a don't ever forget that you're black attached with it. And that was hard. Mm -hmm. And to be able to find a role model for me to be able to look up to and to be like, that's who my, like, you know, that's where I get my confidence to be in my skin from. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, my friend said, Oh. I would say mm-hmm. Sydney like like I would love to be able to pull a celebrity and to be like nah like this is who you ought to be because I mean like seeing Sydney be so um, militant online about so many different things reminds me of myself when I used to be political mm. you know but Sydney is more like no this is who I am this is yeah. my skin color and this is what you're going to accept yeah. and and her different ways of expression I kind of look at it like that's what she's able to say and that's who she's able to be because that is who she is Mm -hmm. and then I begin to look at it through my lens like yeah but that's also you too Mm -hmm. and everyone has their journey to to, to go on but like own who you are because Mm -hmm. that is who you are and live it unabashedly so that's I think that would be who my role model is as a right right now Aww. yeah
1: shout out to Sydney shout out
0: to Sydney yeah yeah she's helped me she's helped me a lot mm-hmm. and and uh shout out to the melanin thotties all of them <laughs> to be honest with you so thank you girls um but let's flip it to you you know let's um, ask, like, who was one of your role models that that you were able to, um, kind of look up to, to kind of let, 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 let you be okay in your skin.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking, I was trying to think so hard. I, I can't think of any. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. It's rough. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, besides my parents, like, I don't even know. Wow. Yeah. I mean. But it'd be like that, though. Yeah. I, I've definitely, um, met a lot of people in college for sure that I still look up to that I wish I knew when I was younger mm-hmm. for sure um you know that weren't I can't even really name one in particular because there's so many of them you know yeah. luckily I was able to meet um that seemed very like self-actualized and weren't trying to like push away their Asianness. um but also were like also like the importance of like not shaming each other for not being this enough or whatever like that's something that I learned when I came here mm-hmm. um that's like a step of like unlearning that these you know people that I met in college like they had started to do that I never even thought about doing when I lived in Asia yeah. so yeah because I think when you live here you're more confronted with it every day that you have to hmm yeah,
0: especially in today's times. Mhm, yeah. mhm. It's very tough. Yeah, but I mean, we can pontificate about it, this more after the break. Hey, We're back, and before we close out the show, let's uh, let's go through one more, one one more little 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 bit of why we're proud to be who we are. Mm-hmm. Um. So, going through a lot of your different stories, you know, a lot of our different stories, with the knowledge that we have now, um, what would you have done differently to be able to to better either protect yourself or to have more fun, you know, um, while navigating through
1: your formative years? I mean, I would love to do it again. Yeah. With the knowledge that I have now, (laughs) which, you know, is not possible, but, I mean, yeah, like... I wish I could have been kinder to myself and therefore like extending that kindness to other people. Um, You know, obviously like I wish I wasn't so fucking insecure. Um, And yeah, I feel like, I don't know, maybe this is just me being my head, but I feel like sometimes I came across as mean Mm -hmm. because I was going through some shit, you know, and unfortunately um, it reflected out. But yeah, I, I wish I was nicer to my parents too because they were really like big picture. Like they were pretty decent people, and I feel like I was awful to
0: them. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel as if that's kind of all of us growing yeah. up. You know, looking back, be like, wow, I was really kind of shitty. Hmm.
1: Yeah. How would you do it differently?
0: I mean, I, I think a lot of the differentness that that I would kind of pull from is is I, I would give myself a little bit more confidence. Yeah. You know, I, I would tell myself that i i was I was roped into the social life quick. Mm-hmm. and I came from such a small sheltered school to such a larger group of like real children. Mm-hmm. and I had felt pressure to to just do everything all at once. and it's kind of like that's fine, and that's chill and everything. but like you don't have to be able to appease everybody that that you had ran into. You know, you didn't have to. Make sure that you were well liked by every person there, you know, give yourself the confidence to excel what to explore what you want to explore. and honestly, I would love to give myself the knowledge of my identity now to be able to be confident to pursue more things because mm-hmm. the confidence in being a strong social person is one thing, but really being able to know who you are is incredible but granted if i were to give myself that knowledge now i would never be able to use what i had gained to put me where i am today you know that knowledge had to come from somewhere and and had i been exposed to that early who knows what kind of destructive shit that i might got into i might have become a you know a malcolm x oh and you know i was an angry child Mm mm-hmm like you know, like yeah, like how do I know that knowledge? Now I would still grow up to be like an angry person. Like you know, I would still be that angry teenager. You know, so instead of me yelling about like you know Ben Carson, I would be like whites, and that's not good. That's <laughs> such a young age, so I think that's what I would do a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah,
1: healthy. Mm-hmm. This is a good episode. I'm really happy with this episode. I'm glad that I demanded a re-record. It's ma'am. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, cuz
0: you know best. You oh, you, oh. you you have, you have the insight and the intellect and, and the intuition. That's why I love thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Oh. And thank you for your love. And thank you for your love. Uh. If you guys would like to send in your questions to figure out how you can do X, Y, and Z in whatever skin that you're in, please send us your questions to Thank Pod at gmail.com. We'll be able to answer it there. If you want to follow us on Facebook, go ahead and find us at Thank You For Your Love Therapy For The Tired Facebook group. If you want to follow us on Twitter, T-Y-F-Y-L-Pod. You can find us on Spotify, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Anchor, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, what would you like to, to contribute to the end?
1: Um, love yourself. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. See you next week. Bye. Bye.